Hello and welcome to Stories of the Second World War. Before we get into today's episode and hear the dramatic story of fighter ace Bill Reed and the Flying Tigers, I would just like to encourage everyone listening to consider supporting the show by visiting our sponsor, Legacy Collectibles. Legacy Collectibles is a World War II and military firearms dealer that I personally trust and recommend for anyone listening who is fascinated by World War II and wants to own a piece of its history for themselves. While they specialize in World War II German pistols, Legacy Collectibles has firearms from countries all over the world, all of which can be easily viewed on their user-friendly website, legacy-collectibles.com. Again, that's legacy-collectibles.com. In addition to their great website, if you're someone interested in learning about the history behind some of these weapons, check out the Legacy Collectibles YouTube channel for some great informative videos made by historical weapons specialists. If you're interested in World War II weaponry and would like to support this podcast, head over to legacy-collectibles.com or simply follow the link in the description of this episode. Today, I'm joined by Carl Molesworth, a graduate of the University of Maryland with a BA in English. Molesworth served as an enlisted man in the U.S. Air Force from 1968 to 1972 before becoming an award-winning journalist for 35 years and then transitioning to full-time book writing. He has been researching and writing about fighter operations in World War II for nearly 30 years. Our topic of discussion today is Carl's latest book, Flying Tiger Ace, the story of Bill Reed, China's shining mark during World War II. Carl, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. My first question to you today is simply this. The Second World War saw unprecedented amounts of fighter operations. I mean, you and I could talk for hours on end about the great aces of all of the nations involved in the Second World War and the remarkable aerial battles that were fought throughout the world in World War II. Your book is the moving biography of Lieutenant Colonel William Norman Reed, a World War II fighter ace who fought with the Flying Tigers and died in defense of the nation he loved. What made you want to tell the story of Bill Reed in your new book, Flying Tiger Ace? Out of any pilot in World War II, what drew you to the story of Bill Reed? Well, from the very beginning, I was always interested in the uh, American volunteer group, the Flying Tigers, and uh, the air war in China. Uh, as it turned out, my, my mother was born in China in 1921 of uh, American parents. And so I was always interested in China as a kid. And then I think the first time I ever saw a picture of a P-40 with the shark nose uh, painted on it, uh, I was hooked. So uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I began learning about the air war in China, probably college age. And then uh, when I was working on my first book, which was called Wing to Wing, it was about the Chinese-American composite wing. Bill Reed was one of the, the uh, well, probably the outstanding fighter pilot who served in the Chinese-American wing. And uh, I was at a, uh, a reunion in uh, the early 1980s of uh, uh, Chinese-American wing uh, pilots. 
and it was the first time that any Chinese pilots had had attended an American reunion like that. The reunion included uh, a showing of a silent movie that the Chinese had brought with them that uh, showed them uh, in training uh, during the uh, CACW workup. And uh, there was a, a point in the uh, in the movie where Bill Reed came on the, on the screen, and there was just such an intense reaction to that among the fellows in the room that I realized, boy, this is a special guy who's been gone all these years. And uh, there was almost tears among uh, some of the fellows in the room, and I thought this bears looking into. So. That was almost forty years ago, and I finally uh, had had the uh, the time uh, after I retired and the um, and the resources, um, the materials to tell his story, and uh, I'm glad I was. Well, that's excellent. No doubt, we'll get into um, more about the the life and combat success of Bill Reed uh, throughout the podcast today. But before we talk more about Bill. Could you tell our listeners who might be unfamiliar with the air war that was going on in China during World War II? Can you just sort of introduce listeners to the topic that Bill Reed uh, most famously was a part of? Sure, I'd be happy to. There's any number of points where you could in uh, history where you could call it the start of the uh, war between China and uh, Japan in the uh, 1900s, but I'll, I'll pick 1937 when the uh the chinese were attacked outside beijing by the by the japanese and that began a uh, a conflict that that really never stopped until the end of world war 2 in 1945 the japanese were were far more capable uh militarily than the chinese and uh pushed the uh the chinese out of, of the chinese government i should say <laughs> Out of uh, their uh, capital in Nanking, they took Shanghai. They uh, one by one they captured all of the ports along the the coast of China and pushed uh, the Chinese government under Chiang Kai Shek uh, all the way back to uh, Chongqing, which was almost a thousand miles inland from from the Chinese coast and. Well, about 750 miles from Nanking, where they had had been in uh, in government, uh, and that was by 1938, 1939. So after after that, um, Chongqing was far enough removed from uh, the Japanese that um, there was uh, there was kind of a stalemate there with the the mountains and the Yangtze Gorge between them, but uh, the air war. Uh, was constant, so so uh, Chongqing was bombed regularly from from uh, Hankou from the late thirties all the way through to uh, to the beginning of uh, the American entry into the war in nineteen forty one. Um, so the uh, American Volunteer Group was uh, formed using uh, American built aircraft and American pilots, American military trained pilots, uh, in 1941 uh, as an attempt to to create a, an effective uh, air defense system that would protect 
uh, Chinese cities from aerial attack. It was not the first time that had been tried, but it was the first time that it actually succeeded. What was China's air defense like during the initial years of the war with Japan? As you mentioned, they certainly were very grateful to call upon the support of the American Volunteer Group. Uh, but did they have a successful air defense in place of their own? Or is that what made them vulnerable to Japanese bombings and attacks? The Chinese did have an air force. And from time to time, it was they, they had a few successful engagements. They used um, foreign-built aircraft. There were no, no Chinese-built aircraft used. And uh, the pilots were trained by a series of foreign groups. Uh, the Germans trained some of them, and then uh, they moved on. The Italians trained some of them, uh, and then eventually the Americans became involved. In 1940, the uh, Japanese introduced uh, the uh, famous uh, Zero Fighter, the A6M, and uh, there was an engagement over Chongqing that virtually wiped out the uh, Chinese air defense at that time and uh, severely demoralized the Chinese pilots as well. And uh, so that was one of the key key reasons why uh, Chiang Kai-shek turned to the United States uh, with hopes that, uh, that the United States could provide some, some help. And who were the Flying Tigers? For those listeners who aren't familiar as well, the group that Bill Reed became a part of, and really, what was the biggest contribution that the Flying Tigers gave in the um, defense of China during World War II? Well, in 1937, uh, the Chinese government hired uh, Claire Lee Chenault, who was a recently retired American uh, Army Air Corps officer, to come to China and try to set up a new training scheme for Chinese pilots. And Chenault quickly became more deeply involved in the uh, air defense of, of China uh, once the, uh, the Japanese uh, attack began uh, shortly after he arrived. So uh, he, uh, he was, um, was close with Chiang Kai-shek and, and uh, uh, Chiang Kai-shek's wife, Madame Chiang, and uh, he devised the idea of going to Washington and uh, trying to get the American government to uh, provide these planes and pilots for the American Volunteer Group, uh, which later became known popularly as the Flying Tigers. Uh, so the the AVG, which I you know is the terminology I like to use, consisted of uh, 100 export versions of the P-40 fighter plane, and then uh, the pilots were drawn from all the branches of service. And uh, as well as technicians, there was about there was a hundred pilots and a, probably uh, two hundred to three hundred uh, ground crewmen who were recruited, and uh, it was uh, under the, under the radar um, because the United States was not at war at Japan at the time, and uh, I think uh, the American government was still hoping that that could be avoided. But President Roosevelt decided that this this was a uh, risk worth taking, so uh, so he okayed the uh, creation of the AVG, and uh, that was done in the spring of 1941, and uh, 
training began in uh, southern Burma at a place called Tun Gu, starting in about July 41, and, uh, and the training continued up until a few weeks before the Pearl Harbor attack. How did the aircraft of the American volunteer group, such as the P-40 Warhawk, compare to the aircraft of the Japanese, such as the famous uh, long-range fighter, the A-6M-0? Well, uh, one of the, uh, how shall I say this? The uh, AVG actually did not uh, ever fight against the A-6M-0. When the uh, war began in uh, December 1941 with the attack, the Japanese attack in uh, Malaya and, uh, and then on into Burma, uh, that was a, uh, a Japanese Army and Army Air Corps, Air Force uh, conflict. So the AVG fought against uh, Army aircraft uh, primarily at the beginning, the KI-27 Nate, which was a uh, mid-1930s design low-wing fighter, but it had fixed landing gear. It didn't have a retractable landing gear. had about maybe 850-horsepower engine and uh, was only good for about two, uh, the upper 200s, close to 300 miles an hour, uh, compared to about 350 miles an hour for a P-40. Uh, but the uh, Japanese fighters were far more maneuverable than the uh, P-40. And so the trick was to uh, to use your strengths as an AVG pilot, which was speed uh, over maneuverability, which was the Japanese uh, advantage, and, and not get drawn into dogfights, uh, traditional dogfights like had been uh, fought during World War One. So the, the P-40s had more uh, firepower, heavier guns, they had uh, much better speed, as I mentioned, and uh, the Japanese aircraft uh, were, as I mentioned, more maneuverable, but they only had two uh, light caliber machine guns in them, so uh, so they weren't as uh, as frightening, let's say, as, uh, as an A6M-0 with uh, cannons and machine guns would have been. Well, at the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned the silent film that featured Bill Reed and how um, many members of the, the audience were brought to tears upon seeing his picture on the, on the film screen. Now, where does the story of Bill Reed with the Flying Tigers begin? Could you sort of just tell us his story and how he would become so significant in the air war in China during World War II? Sure. Bill Reed was a um, uh, a young man who grew up in uh, Iowa, I mean, outside of Cedar Rapids in a town called Marion, and he was just one of those all-American kind of fellows. He was a, an excellent student in school. He was a three-sport athlete. He was good-looking. He was just, just one of those guys. And um, as a matter of fact, a, a friend of his, uh, once once described him as everything you would ever want to be in terms of a uh, a young man. So, like I say, he grew up. Uh, he was he was not from a wealthy family. His father was a railroad engineer, and uh, he only was able to get to school to college by good fortune through an attorney who met him 
uh, when uh, Bill was caddying on the local golf course and uh, told him that he was not going to be able to go to college. And the, the attorney said, well, if you can get yourself accepted to uh, what is now Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa, I will pay for it. And uh, as a result, Bill was able to go to four years of college. And then uh, he was uh, enamored with aviation. He got out of college in uh, June of 1939 and uh, took a job in an office at uh, Quaker Oats in Cedar Rapids, which was not exactly what a 22-year-old uh, fellow who had been a, a college athlete and, uh, and uh, a pretty happy-go-lucky fellow wanted to do, and uh, especially if he had uh, his eyes on the sky, which Bill definitely did. So Bill joined the uh, Army Air Corps as soon as possible after that in uh, January 1940 and uh, went through training, graduated with uh, Class 40F in October of 1940, and then uh, was a um, assigned to be a uh, an instructor in in fighter aircraft. It, it was beyond uh, the advanced advanced training into specialized fighter training, particularly into gunnery training. And he was doing that in uh, the spring of 1941 when uh, uh, recruiters from the uh, American Volunteer Group arrived at, at the base where he was in Louisiana. And uh, he and two other fellows who were both also feeling kind of bored by uh, training duties, decided that they would join up. Uh, another reason that Bill wanted to join up was that uh, joining the Flying Tigers was a very lucrative deal. Um, the pay was uh, something like $650 a month for an AVG pilot versus about $200 a month for an Air Corps pilot. And uh, Bill was carrying some debt left over from college and was eager to, to uh, get rid of that. So in a letter to his mother explaining why he had decided to uh, leave the Air Corps and join uh, the Chinese, uh, he explained that it would be an opportunity for them to get out of debt as well as for him to do something useful. Wow, fascinating. Well, in my introduction, I hinted at the death of Bill Reed. And could you tell us that story a little bit, how he died in combat and um, really the significant part that that had to play in his legacy. Before we continue the story of Bill Reed and the Flying Tigers, I just wanted to share with you a quick message on our sponsor, Legacy Collectibles. On this podcast, we talk about defining moments and battles that shaped the story of World War II. If you're someone like me who is deeply interested in the Second World War, Legacy Collectibles provides so many opportunities for you to own a piece of the war for yourself. Do be sure to check out Legacy-Collectibles.com. That's the website, and I'll put a link to it in the description of this episode so that you can check it out when you finish listening to the podcast. Well, Bill served all the way through the combat months of the American Volunteer Group, which was basically December of 1941 through the end of June 1942. He flew 75 missions. He uh, shot down three Japanese aircraft. Uh, and then on July 4th, 1942, the AVG disbanded and, um, and Bill came home to Iowa. He was only uh, there 
uh, for a short time when he was recruited to do uh, uh, some war bond tours. Uh, he would stand up in front of a group of people in a factory and tell his uh, war stories from from the AVG, and uh, and then there would be several uh, Hollywood stars around uh, with him, and they'd put on a little show, and then they'd they'd ask people to buy war bonds. So he did that for several months before rejoining the U.S. Army Air Force. And uh, when he rejoined, he was uh, in uh, back in training command for about six months. And then he uh, managed to get uh, an over, a second overseas assignment uh, back to China. And when he got to China, they were forming uh, the Chinese-American Composite Wing, which I mentioned earlier, which was a very uh, unusual group uh, in that it, it uh, combined Chinese and American pilots flying American aircraft uh, in the same unit. And they, uh, they had a uh, kind of a mirror command system where there was uh, a Chinese and an American, say, squadron leader, a squadron commander. There were the flight commanders. There were American and Chinese four flight commanders. And then the rest of the flights were, uh, were filled out with, uh, with Chinese pilots. And the idea was that that uh, that through the CACW, the the Chinese could uh, develop a new cadre of experienced, skilled military pilots that would serve them uh, not just during World War II, but whatever would be needed afterwards. And in fact, it turned out that way. So anyway, Bill was one of the uh, one of the squadron commanders in the in the CACW, and uh, within a few months. Uh, had become a, a flying tiger ace, which uh, uh, meant that he had shot down not just the three Japanese aircraft he'd gotten during AVG, but uh, several more with the uh, Chinese American wing. And he, during that time, the pilots um, rallied around him like few other squadron commanders have happened to them. Um, they nicknamed him the Boss. And so uh, he had the name Boss's Hoss on the side of his plane. And there was uh, a rumor, of course, the GI-type humorous rumor, uh, that Bill Reed could, quote, smell Japs, unquote, uh, because whenever they were out on a mission and Bill was leading, they were almost certain to run into some lucrative target, whether it be some Japanese aircraft or a train or some, some uh, vessels on the on the rivers or whatever it was uh they knew they were going to get action when when bill was leading the group well by october 1944 uh bill was the leading ace of uh the chinese american wing with nine victories and then uh would you like me to describe uh the circumstances of his death now because it's uh, pretty dramatic yes please do okay well bill had uh if he had any fear, uh, and, and he displayed very little fear of anything, um, it was of bailing out of an aircraft. At, at one point in June 1944, his plane was hit by uh, ground fire, and the engine died. And uh, rather than bail out of the plane, he, he stayed with the plane until he could find a place to uh, belly land it behind Japanese lines, and then uh, was fortunate enough to be uh, picked up by Chinese guerrillas and brought out from behind Japanese lines so he could continue uh, flying combat. 
which he did all the way through till uh, December 1944. Um, on the 18th of December, there was a, a large uh, air attack uh, planned by General Chenault on uh, the Japanese uh, facilities at, at Hankow, which is in uh, sort of central China. Uh, and it was a, a key point where the Japanese uh, organized themselves for uh, the, uh, the what was called the Ichigo Offensive into to China, which was uh, a whole other story in itself. Anyway, there was a large concentration of Japanese uh, troops and, and materials in Hankow, and General Chenault organized a, uh, an air attack that involved all the complement of uh, units under his command synchronized to to hit these uh, attacks in in Hankow and Bill led the uh, the Chinese American wing uh, group of, of pilots on on that attack and uh, so uh, when the attack was over the the Americans uh, the CACW Chinese as well uh, returned to a, an advanced base in uh, Lahoko China which was uh, very close to the front lines uh, and about 200 miles from the uh, from the home base of of Bill's unit, the Third uh, Fighter Group. So um, the evening after uh, after the attack on Hankow, Bill and two other pilots took off from Lahoko on their way back to Liangshan. And uh, as it got dark, uh, Japanese bombers happened to be uh, targeting Liangshan at the time. So the people on the ground at Liangshan couldn't turn the uh, the lights on for the runway for the P-40s to land there. So Bill and his uh, his two wingmen decided they would uh, press on uh, to Chongqing and uh, land there, which was oh maybe 150 miles away. And uh, and it was by then it was it was dark, and uh, they were heading west. And uh, they uh, were confronted with a uh, with a weather mass that they couldn't see themselves being able to get through and even find their way to Chongqing through that. So they turned around and uh, headed back towards Liangshan, hoping that the uh, the Japanese uh, bombers would have left the vicinity and the lights would be on by then. Uh, but that didn't happen, and so the uh, Bill and the other two P-40s arrived back at Liangshan to find it was still blacked out. And all they could do was uh, circle in the neighborhood until uh, either the lights came on or the uh, or the planes ran out of gas, at which point they would have to uh, bail out. And the latter happened, unfortunately. The other two fellows uh, bailed out successfully. Uh, one of them broke their leg. The other one was unhurt. Uh, but Bill, in going out of the plane, apparently hit the back of his head on the on the stabilizer at the back of the plane and uh, was killed instantly, floated down in his parachute, uh, already uh, deceased, and uh, he was found the next day. So uh, so he didn't die in uh, a blaze of glory, but he, he died in the service of the two countries he loved. What a remarkable story. And Carl, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been an absolute delight for me having you on the show. But before I let you go, would you be so kind as to tell all of our listeners 
where they can find your new book, Flying Tiger Ace. And I'll certainly put a link to it in the description of this episode. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Well, Flying Tiger Ace is a hardcover book from Osprey Publishing. And uh, you can reach it uh, through the Osprey website, or you can reach it through my own uh, website. I have uh, hot links to uh, where you can order it. And my website is uh, www.carlmolesworth, C-A-R-L-M-O-L-E-S-W-O-R-T-H.com, carlmolesworth.com. And uh, I really appreciate the chance to talk about the book and talk about Bill. It's been something I've been uh, looking forward to seeing in print for almost 40 years. Well, that's great. Thank you again, Carl, for joining me. And for everyone listening, I'll put links to Flying Tiger Ace, where you can uh, pick up a copy for yourself, and a link to Carl's website as well. Thank you all so much for listening today to Stories of the Second World War. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platform and consider leaving a positive rating and review. Additionally, I would like to encourage everyone listening to support the show by visiting our sponsor, Legacy Collectibles. Legacy Collectibles is an antique World War II firearms dealer that I trust and is a must-check-out for anyone who listens to the show and wants to own a piece of World War II for themselves. While they specialize in World War II German pistols, Legacy Collectibles prides themselves in having a user-friendly website where you can browse a large array of authentic and original military artifacts. If you're someone who's interested in learning more about World War II firearms and have been pondering the idea of starting a collection, then check out the Legacy Collectibles YouTube channel for excellent videos curated by historical weapons experts. If you'd like to support this podcast, head over to the Legacy Collectibles website at legacy-collectibles.com. Again, that's legacy-collectibles.com, or just follow the link in the description of this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you all next week.